Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Sanctuary Church Podcast. We're currently in a series called Teach Us to Pray, where we're exploring what Jesus taught his disciples about prayer, and we're going to be borrowing heavily from the Practicing the Way resources. Uh, Just a quick note, our teaching often does include a decent amount of discussion and community response, and we do intentionally edit that out in order to preserve confidentiality and the Sunday experience. Uh, So you'll likely not be hearing the full content or context of the teaching, uh, but still, our hope is that this will encourage you, it will equip you, and really, we're just so honored that you would listen in. So, here it is. We're in a series called Teachers of Prayer. Robbie did a great job. We're borrowing from the resources from um, a resource called Practicing the Way. If you guys know John Mark Comer, he's a former pastor, but he started this these series of courses really to help, uh, help the church um, uh, experience uh, the spiritual disciplines in a fresh way. And so we're taking the prayer course and kind of going through this. Um, just a little plug as well. There's more resources available at sanctuarysf.com slash teach us to pray. There's a podcast that goes along with every teaching. There's an extra, extra reach exercise, etc. cetera. Um, so I encourage you to check that out. Um, all right, we're going to break into groups as we normally do. Um, let's break into threes or fours. Uh, so we may have three or four groups. Um, and there uh, are a few questions. This is intended to kind of reflect back on the practices from the previous week. Um, if you didn't do those practices, there's no pressure to like say that you did. <laughs> Just maybe you can reflect on your experience in prayer in general. But the three questions, where do you, maybe it's where do you feel resistance in prayer, in either internally or externally? Where do you feel delight in prayer? And where did you most experience God's nearness in prayer? It's a little bit deeper questions. Um, but yeah, if you could just break into groups of three or four, and then we'll discuss that for a few minutes, just very briefly, and come back and get into it. Sounds good? Even if you don't feel anything, like you show up enough times, and it's like, then God meets you there. And there's, we'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah, of like, there's almost no magic formula on purpose, you know? <laughs> like, it's a relationship. Like, it's something that you work on. And any of you that are in a serious relationship know, like, there's conflict. There's sometimes, you know, like, it's not, you can't just control. You're not just, you know, those of you who are married, you're not just married to a robot, you know? It's actually a real relationship. And there's two sides of the coin. And that's the beauty and mystery of prayer. But. Uh, no, that's, that's fantastic. Um, so on this, on this series, Teach Us to Pray, we're really starting with the basics. And I loved the way that Robbie opened up the series. And he, he, he brought forward the fact that the disciples, you know, that we record, it's, they're recorded of asking the Lord, Jesus, to teach us to pray. And it's not recorded that they asked Jesus to teach them to do anything else. Not, I mean, I, I would want to how do you turn water into wine, Jesus? Yeah. Like, <laughs> how do you do miracles? Or like, even like theological questions. Like, what about, teach us why suffering exists. Teach us about God and what is heaven like? Uh, you know, there's not, or like how to preach, how to, none of that. But the question that they do ask is teach us to pray, which is very interesting, which, I mean, if you can imagine what the disciples would have seen with their eyes, Jesus model in front of them their his prayer life must have been just very rich and dynamic and he they must have recognized that as the source of so much um, of Jesus's ministry and so 
teach us to pray? It's a really um, important question for us. I'm curious, did anyone have a chance to listen to any of the supplemental uh, or do the exercises? No pressure if not. I encourage you. They're really, they're really great. Um, and they dive into a lot more than we can right now. But, um, but um, uh, I think Robbie kicked us off and <laughs> had that story about PetSmart, about yeah. how, uh, you know, sometimes uh, what we assume to be true and what is actually true can be very different, desperate things. And when it comes to prayer, that's the case. I also even want to bring it further. Sometimes we even know the right things, but then our, our lived experience, like Katie, you know, like we know what's supposed to happen, but it doesn't actually happen that way. And they're very disparate things. And so we're going back to the basics of what Jesus teaches uh, to help us hopefully have this more vibrant prayer life that we see modeled in Jesus. Um, and so we're going back, what did Jesus actually teach us? And, you know, back to that, that um, example of like our lived reality being different than what we actually know to be true. I was um, on vacation a few weeks ago. We went to, we were lucky enough to go to the Rocky Mountain National Park. It was gorgeous. But I was reading the book that we're encouraging everyone to go through in this prayer time. It's, it's a great book on prayer. It's got a weird title. It's called um, Living, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools by Tyler Staten. But it's so good. I, I really encourage you but to, to listen to it or to read it, listen to it, whatever. But um, one of, I was going through one of the chapters in it, and Tyler, the author, asked the reader, me, a very provocative question. He said, um, if God were to pour out a great and triumphant, grandiose yes over all of your prayers in l- over the last seven days. If God was just to say, everything you've prayed for, it's a giant, great yes. I'm giving you everything. He said, if that was a condition, and he asked the question, would anything actually change in your world? And I was like left with this sinking, horrifying feeling of like, actually, not much would have changed in that world. And it was partly because I just wasn't giving myself to prayer, but it was also partly because, like, I, I think, like many of us, probably have learned the, these, like, safe language of prayer, where my prayers aren't actually that specific. They're very safe prayers. They're generic. God, if it's your will, you know. Wh- and actually, I am not, I realized I wasn't putting myself out there on the line to actually specifically ask for anything. And so I think, what we know and what we experience and what we live into can be very different. And we're trying to close that gap here. And I hope that our church over this, at least this couple months that we're leaning into prayer, if God were to grant a yes, that like the whole city would be turned upside down, right? Um, that's the prayer here. But um, the analogy that I'm thinking about is like kids learning to talk. If you, if you know, like kids learning to talk early on, you know, you're like feeding them words, mama, mama, dada, dada, you know, more, you want more? Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, parents. And then at some point, they start like learning words, and they start piecing words together, and they start, yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, they start actually communicating with you, and then they actually ask you these like really big questions of life, and uh, you know, there's this progression here, and we talked last week about actually Jesus giving us pre-made prayer, the Lord's prayer. He's like giving us the things to pray for, and how pre-made prayers can be really effective in our walk with Jesus. But at some point, then we actually progress and we can actually start having our own conversations with God. And so that's what I want to talk about to, to, uh, uh, with us today. So Luke eleven five through 11 is where we'll 
go. It'll be on your screen. And this is right after Jesus just gives the Lord's Prayer. He continues talking. He said, so it's almost like, yeah, he's giving us words to speak. And then he's saying, he's saying but actually there's more than that too. And so if I turn there, um, I'll read it for us. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't give, get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I ask you, so, so I say to you, sorry, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if a son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask in him? Let me pray real quick. Father, we just thank you, Jesus. I just pray that you actually help us learn to ask, learn to have this relationship with you, learn to be able to talk with you, Father. Help us become a praying church. Help us become a church that if you poured out a great yes, that many things would change, Father. And uh, yeah, I just pray that you would speak to us today. Amen. So many of you are probably familiar with this passage, a story. Uh, you've heard ask and it'll be given to you. Um, and what Jesus is not saying here, obviously, is he's not some like old perturbed man that doesn't want to give us things. You know, he's actually saying, no, we know Jesus to be incredibly generous. The Bible teaches him teaches us that every good and perfect gift is from the Father, like he's delighting to pour out gifts on his children. Therefore, how much more we know, it's like a Jewish rhetorical device, we know our Father is incredibly generous. Um, and if this is a passage is a little triggering to you, <laughs> like you read these grandiose promises, and you're like, Jesus, are you like over-promising a little bit here? Like you're trying to sell me on something and trying to promise like a, a, a bigger invest return on my investment or like even worse case like you feel guilt because you've asked and not received and you're like is the problem me um i mean there is really that I, we don't really have time to go into all of that today um but it is a real thing and it, it is a little bit about relationships you know and like god wants it, wants us to partner with him i would encourage you the podcast for this week on the site is superb going into that specific detail. I mean, it's so good. And then chapter nine in the book, so good as well. So I want to point you there, sanctuarysf.com slash teach us to pray. Um, but again, we start, it's like a, it's almost like um, a musician. Uh, we have to, a musician kind of learns to play other people's music before like they learn their own. Um, and same here is like we learn with pre-made prayers and then we begin to learn other people, you know, how to actually, you know, like jazz, like contribute and riff and like start actually having this beautiful conversation with the Father. And so um, 
There's three subcategories of prayer I want to dive in today. Gratitude, lament, and then petition and intercession. And again, this will be a little bit of a kind of rudimentary teaching. And then hopefully we can, we can play with these in the coming weeks as well. But gratitude is, is at the simplest form, talking with God about what is good in your life. Lament, talking with God, talking about God about what is evil in your life and world. And then petition and intercession is asking God to fulfill his promises to overcome evil with good. Simple enough. We'll dive into it. So gratitude. Um, Ignatius of Loyola, uh, he said the beginning point of prayer is to give thanks to God our Lord for benefits received. And then ingratitude, the inverse, is the failure to recognize the good things, the graces and the gifts received. As such, ingratitude, this is key, is the cause, beginning, and origin of all evil and sin. He actually says that in, be, to be ingratitude is, is the opposite. I mean, it's actually the origin of all evil and sin. That's a big claim, but if you think about it, Adam and Eve in the garden, their failure to receive their life as a gift, but rather the rights that they wanted to cling to was the origin of our current condition. Think about the Trinity. They exist in perfect harmony, perfect relationship, a life-giving, generous, joyful, others-focused love and gratitude. You think of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. Like, there's this giving a part of creation, how he's designed us to be and how God himself is. In Galatians 1.4, he gave himself for our sins and so gratitude is actually the primary way that we are to relate to God. Colossians 2.7 says we are to be overflowing with thankfulness. And some of you may know, even the like secular psychological studies, you may know some of these too. I was re- reading um, just this week that they've studied that keeping a five-minute prayer journal, sorry, gratitude journal, not even prayer journal, gratitude journal every day um, will, is shown statistically to increase your long-term well-being by 10%, which is equivalent to doubling your income. You can get the same increase in well-being by just keeping a five-minute gratitude journal as it would be to double your entire income. It statistically makes people like you more, to be more grateful. It actually has physical health benefits. It lowers your cholesterol. (laughs) It lowers your blood pressure. It um, relieves physical pain. Like, this is actually real stuff that scientists and psychologists actually know. But it's not just about practical benefits, but God has kind of wired the human body to, like, respond to gratitude. Timothy Gallagher says, recognizing God's loving gifts and recognizing God's loving presence through them, summarized by the word gratitude, lies at the heart of our entire relationship with God. So, One way to measure our maturity is how grateful we are. Ronald Rollheiser says, the most holiest person that you meet is the most grateful person that you'll meet. Which is fascinating uh, to think about. And I get it. Life is hard. It like beats you down. It's so hard. I was on a sales call this this week with like a sales trainer. And he starts every week uh, with like everyone identifying a positive focus for your week and I was like sick I wasn't feeling good and it like literally took me like five minutes to like think about what is something positive I can like think about today and I don't know if you had that 
as I prompted us this morning, like, what are we grateful for? If you had that, like, you gotta think, <laughs> you know, like, what am I grateful for actually in life? But it's so hard, but I will tell you, like, when you have that, that posture of wanting to pursue gratitude and prayer, I'm like, just like, the Puritans say, you gotta, like, pray yourself into prayer. When you're just, like, finding things to be grateful for, there's those moments, sometimes at night, <laughs> you feel the nearness of God. You know, and I remember uh, a few months ago, I was walking around in Franklin, outside of Nashville, where I grew up. I was on a business trip in Nashville, and I, that evening, I went to the church building that I went to youth group in, and I was walking around the building, just doing a little prayer walk, going through some things in life, and trying to seek God. All of a sudden, like, I was overwhelmed with gratitude for like how God had like knit my life together and the things he put in my life in that season at that church and how he put me in the family he put like how he had ordered my paths and I was like I was literally like sobbing with joy just like thank so thankful and like God met me in that moment but it was just like it was just like practicing that muscle to like thank God and that's why it's so important to come and praise and our problems, like our, the, gra- the gravity of our, of our eyes go towards ourselves and our problems and what's going wrong in our world. And it, it takes some effort to like lift up. But when we do, and we see the beauty of who God is and we're grateful, like it really does change some things. Um, so that's the first one, gratitude. We want to be a church that's like grateful and holding on to the, the, the praises of God. The second is lament. Because we know sometimes... Life isn't all like peaches and unicorns, right? Like sometimes there are some things that are really hard. What do we do about it? The answer is we pray it. Uh, Pete Gregg, founder of the 24-7 prayer movement, at least the modern version of it, he says this, pray what you got. (laughs) So if you have gratitude, great, pray it. But if you don't have gratitude, maybe you have anger, pray that. If you have celebration, pray that. If you have fear, pray that. If you have grief, Pray that. Pray what you got. Like, just pray. Just show up. C.S. Lewis says we must lay before God what is in us, not what ought to be in us. (laughs) And I think many times people find, uh, I myself would count myself in it, find prayer boring. And I think one of the reasons, there's a couple reasons, there's many reasons for that, but one of the reasons prayer can be boring is because we're not actually praying truth. We're like performing in front of God. Like we go around all life, editing for others what we think other people want to see in us and really what it is is like a cry for love right we're trying to like get them to love us and subconsciously like we come and we can do that to god like we come to this conversation with god and we try to edit exactly how we're supposed to um how we're supposed to pray because we want god's love or something but actually c.s lewis says like we just gotta he knows us Psalms 139 says, you have searched me, Lord, you know me, you perceive my thoughts from afar. So he knows us. And so we can be exactly who we are, pray what we got. And a lot of times that is lament. The Psalm book uh, of the Bible, Psalms, which is the prayer book of the Bible, has every emotion known to man in it. And scholars tell us that two-thirds of the Psalms are actually laments. So if you open any verse in the Psalms, you're two-thirds likely to see a lament there. Maybe less than that, a praise, you know. So 
I mean, it includes, includes rage, it includes anger, it includes vengeance, it includes suicidal thoughts, it includes doubts. And why is that? Because we are vengeful and we are, you know, we have rage and, and anger and vengeance and we have all of these doubts as well. I mean, some of those psalms, I mean, if you get the precatory psalms, which are like, this, uh, David is actually like casting like curses on his enemies in there, but he's praying his soul out, you know? And there's something to that. Um, lament is actually a really emotionally healthy way to process the pain of this world. I don't know if any of you like can get addicted to like doom scrolling on Twitter or X now, or you know, and just like you read the news headlines of the day and you get all worked up. But actually, what what's really helpful to do is um, to bring it to God, bring it before God. He's inviting us into. Otherwise, we're just like potentially leaking this emotional waste out towards our relationships and others, and he's inviting us into it. So a lament is also, a th- this was an interesting thought to me, a, a theological version of protest. Uh, there's a guy out there named J.T. Thomas who has this whole uh, idea about protest. Like instead of protesting, like pray-testing. Like there's a, there's a moment for protesting, of course, but also like are we also including God in that? Are we bringing it to God? There's that famous... Um, there's that famous uh, verse from, uh, or quote from Karl Barth, to clasp one's hand in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. If you, if you have like some angst in your bones, something's not right, like to begin in prayer and bring that to God, the one that can change things. Um, this is a way of fighting not against God, but with God against evil. Um, and this leads to us, leads us to our third category, petition and intercession. When you have that lament in your soul and you want to do something about it, petition is asking God to do something on our behalf. Intercession is simply asking God to do something on someone else's behalf. It's like ultimately a form of love, like deep love, like when you're intercessing for someone else. Paul Miller says, all of Jesus' teaching on prayer in the Gospels can be summarized with one word. Ask. Ask. (laughs) Charles Spurgeon, whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. And I think especially in our culture, like we love like the centering prayer. We love like the idea of laying our anxieties and casting. There's somewhere to like place that and we can be a better version of ourselves and all that. But the kind of reality is when you survey what Jesus teaches about prayer in the New Testament, um, it's kind of a different flavor of prayer. I mean, he says things like we read today, ask and it'll be given to you. Matthew 18, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for them. John 14, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Luke 18, he told them a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. Like, it's easy to give up. Jesus says, no, don't give up. Um, John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Terry Virgo takes that verse and says, hey, you're a God-appointed asker of things. You can look at your neighbor when you say, you are God-appointed asker of things. Like, you are God's appointed you to ask for things. For some reason, it's weird. I mean, you think about God, like he's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-good, right? And like he 
he can do things. But yet, when, when Jesus was on the scene, he'd like go to someone that needs help. He's like blind, and he clearly, obviously knows Jesus would know what he needs. But what does he always do? He says, what do you want me to do? <laughs> it's like, uh, can you heal my blindness? He knows it, but he's like looking for participation. He's looking for us to ask. And you see that God kind of wants to include us in his plans, which is kind of crazy. But P.T. Forsyth says, lose the importunity of prayer. Lose the real conflict of will, of will and will. Lose the habit of wrestling and the hope of prevailing. Make it mere walking with God and friendly talk. And precious as that is, yet you tend to lose the reality of prayer at last. That's a big thing. And I think part of it is what, John, what Jesus says, what we read, whatever you ask in my name. And I was talking to someone this week about that in my name. You know, it's usually something we just kind of tack on to the end of, um, at the end of a prayer. But actually, you know, in Jesus' name, amen. That's actually never recorded in the Bible, um, like a prayer model like that. Like what is saying in Jesus' name? It's not just like open sesame of the kingdom. Like it's not just a, a abracadabra magic words. It actually is pretty insightful. It means like you're invoking the status of who we are in Christ. Um, we're coming in as, and praying as like sons and daughters, heirs to the kingdom, princes and princesses, not just anyone. Like we have status, we're heirs. Like God's already won the victory. We're, it's almost like we're coming in, we're claiming his victory. We're like picking out the spoils and then dispersing it to ever, anyone that we're praying for. Like that's our right, that's our birthright. We're claiming that. It's like, you know, the, for better or worse, the sons and daughters of the president can, like, walk right into the Oval Office. They don't have to get approval. They just waltz right in. And there's status because of just who they are. It's just, if we're praying in Jesus' name. But it's also to pray in alignment with Christ. Um, in the ancient world, a name equated to a person's character or nature. And so we're praying the promises of God, like, into being. I think of Elijah. It's, Anytime you talk about prayer, you think about Elijah going up to the top of the mountain and praying for rain in the land that was drought. You know, he prayed like seven times for rain. But the crazy thing about that is God had already promised to bring the rain before he prayed for it. And so he understood God's promises, but it didn't like turn him off to prayer. It actually turned him on. Not just once, but like seven times he prayed, went back. Is there clouds? No clouds. All right, I'm going to pray. Put his heads between his legs a sudden he's like this gut-wrenching prayer he prayed seven times but it was like he was praying in the promises that God had already promised if you look at Daniel um, he uh, he was studying the scriptures of Jeremiah when he discovered that Jeremiah had prophesied that in 70 years they would be free and he did the math it's 70 years and he doesn't just go into the streets and say no hey, we're free now God's gonna do it he prayed he, gave, he says he gave himself to prayer and to fasting um, later, God says, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. So in response to the promises, he prayed. And some of us are holding promises. We're holding promises for sanctuary, and it's like, where are they? Are they going to come? It's like, we don't just stand back passively. We ask God for them. We engage. We wrestle. We try to come under those 
promises. Andrew Murray says it's, it's as though prayer that the promise, it, it's, it is, sorry, it is through prayer that the promises of God await their fulfillment. The, that the kingdom awaits its coming and that the glory of God awaits their full revelation. It's as though the promises are waiting for prayer to be fulfilled. Like there's this image of like promises out there and all we have to do is like pray for them, mark them, contend for them and then they'll be here. It's like here's a promise, now come ask me for it. Walter Wink says this. You may have heard this uh, quote before. It's amazing. Intercessory prayer is spiritual defiance of what is in the way of what God has promised. Intercession visualizes an alternative future to the one apparently faded by the momentum of current forces. Prayer infuses the air of a time yet to be into the suffocating atmosphere of the present. He says this, history belongs to the intercessors who believe the future into being. Even a small number of people firmly committed to the new inevitability on which they have fixed their imaginations can decisively affect the shape the future takes. These shapers of the future are the intercessors. Um, I have a friend who uh, we got discipled together, um, and he was going into eighth grade. Imagine this, an eighth grader. And um, one of his mentors, this is a true story, looked at him as going into summer. He said, Tyler, um, what do you think would happen if you took God seriously on what he promised about prayer and scripture? What do you think would happen? What do you think if, if you started to take God seriously on prayer? And he says, I don't know. And his mentor said, well, why don't you take the summer to figure that out? To see what happens. To see if it's still true. <laughs> and so it was kind of an audacious promise. So what Tyler did, this again, true story, couldn't drive yet. He went to his middle school he had his older brother, Josh, drive him to the middle school. And uh, every day that summer, he did a lap around his middle school, praying for his class, going into eighth grade, praying that Jesus would come. He did every single day of the middle school. And, uh, and he just said, you know, I want to see if this thing still works, if God still answers prayer today. Um, and, uh, and, you know, he, he wore out that lap day in, day out around Brentwood Middle School in Brentwood, Tennessee. And, uh, and, and, and when um, school started, you know, he'd take his yearbook and he'd actually, like, pray for people by name. He was praying for his whole classroom, but he had, a, I think it was nine of his best friends he was specifically praying for that they would come to know Christ. Um, he actually start, ended up starting a, a Bible study at 6.30 a.m. Uh, on Wednesday mornings in a math class at uh, Brentwood, High School, Brentwood Middle School uh, on Wednesday. Went into the principal's office, asked, got a teacher sponsor, all that. And so you can imagine 6.30 a.m. Wednesday, eighth, eighth graders, you know, not the best time for like revival to break out, fluorescent lights, but it, it actually outgrew the math, the math um, room. And so they went to the auditorium. And believe it or not, I mean, he, would, he continued his prayer. He got there an hour before school started. 
on Tuesdays and Thursdays and an hour before school started on Wednesdays to lead this Bible study. And by the end of his eighth grade year, not a joke, over a third of his class, his eighth grade class, had given their lives to Jesus, including all nine of the, the peop- of the, his best friends that he would pray for. And last time I talked to him, all nine of those students are still walking with Jesus today. All because a mentor challenged him, hey, what do you think would happen if you took God serious on his word to ask him for self? He said, I don't know. Well, why don't you spend your summer finding that out? So, Sanctuary Church, does it still work? Why don't we spend August and September seeing if it does? <laughs> so seeing what God does when we come together and ask him. Now, it's a little bit more nuanced than that. Obviously, it's a relationship, but God wants us to wrestle with him. He wants us to engage with him. He's seeking people who seek him. And Jeremiah, I didn't talk about this. Remember that verse in Jeremiah? It says, um, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper. And not, you know, that beautiful verse. You know what the next verse is? Then you will seek me and you find me when you seek me with your whole heart. You don't seek him to, to find the plans. He actually has the plans. He's like, but I want you to seek me for the plans. I want you to seek me. I got promises for you in Sanctuary Church. I think there's promises for us. We've had promises delivered. Like, let's go after it. And that's what these Wednesday nights about. That's what this morning's about. Um, and I just feel like uh, there's more for us here. So I'm going to close with a couple things, and then we're going to pray. Um, two things I want to tell us. First, prayer also makes a difference in us. We ask God for things, but it also makes a difference in us. As we pray our gratitudes, as we pray our laments, as we ask God to do things only He can do in this world, He actually does things that only He can do in us. Uh, He forms us into something in that space of prayer. So if we give ourselves to Him, He does something in us. It's true. And then the second thing is, Um, Just like we learn to talk as a child by talking, um, prayer is much more practice than theory. It's we learn to pray by praying. Jesus was asked by his disciples to teach them to pray. He responded by praying. Richard Foster says, by prayer we learn to pray. Philip Yancey says, we learn to pray by praying. Mother Teresa was asked, how do you learn to pray? She answered, by praying. Um, the key, uh, Peter Gregg, again, says, um, pray what you've got. Pray what you got. Don, Don John Chapman says, pray as you can, not as you can't. So if you can't pray for an hour, don't pray for an hour. Pray for a minute. Pray what you got. If you can't pray with faith, it's okay. Pray with your doubts. Pray what you got. If you can't pray gratitude, great. Pray your limits. Pray your frustrations. Pray your confusions. Don't fake it. Let's just pray what we got can't pray out loud, everyone raise their voice, it's okay. Write it down. Pray, write down your prayers. Like, pray what you got. The most important thing is that we keep showing up and we're learning. And as we pray, we learn to pray. As we pray, we learn to pray. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Sanctuary Church Podcast. If we can be of any help to you, please don't hesitate to contact us at hello at sanctuarysf.com. We would love to connect. And wherever this finds you, may you experience the grace and peace of God our Father.